<laughs> Welcome to the Simple Minds Podcast, where we look to empower and encourage real conversation amongst men everywhere by unpacking topics on self-help, philosophy, and business. Welcome, Simple Minds fans near and far. My name's Travis Hato. I'm your host on this beautiful Friday Somewhere where you're listening to this in the world, hopefully on a Friday, maybe on a Saturday. You know what, Marco? Maybe on a Sunday. Hey, uh, we're chatting about today, why do we get in our own way? We'll uh, chat about that a little bit later, but let's um, let's talk about the drink first. Jinzu Jin. Jinzu. I like the name. You like the name? Uh, to be honest, it's got a, uh, with delicate layers of yuzu, lemon sake, a hint of cherry blossom flavor. There you go, Jinzu Jin, with a little bit of tonic water, no ice because so, mate, we're hardcore. So is it just uh, sounding like it's made in Japan or is it made in Japan? No, it's distilled in London. Distilled in London. It's a British gin yeah. with a Japanese twist. With a Japanese brand. <laughs> Japanese branding. Just felt like we needed... Um... In case you didn't check the bottle. <laughs> Where did gin originate, Mark? Do you know? Uh, I have Because uh, all the early gins I used to drink gin? were like out of the London, like London beef eater and all that shit. <laughs> Yeah, I think in the UK. You think so? Yeah. It's the origin. Because the Queen drinks it. She drinks Tanqueray. Well, it was never really in until recently. She's pickled herself. Because it was kind of was looked down <laughs> upon, Lizzie. wasn't it? People thought it used to make you angry and... Depressed and stuff. Depressed, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's because myth. it's an... Earth, you can make, because it's a white spirit, it's very easy to make. Well, it's very easy to make poorly, but people, you know... Just like anything, invest their lives into making things like, say, Tanqueray or yeah. Plymouth or, I don't know, Beef Eater. There's a whole family story behind all of those. Massive gin culture going on at the moment. Yeah, it's actually see. been going on for quite a while Has now. It? Gin came back into vogue a little, you know, quite a while ago, um, especially with like the, the second golden age of cocktails. Um, what, when did that start? Oh, I, reckon, I, I think we're out of that now. It's been going <laughs> well, so long. Here in Perth, we've got one of the best gins in the world, Old Young's. They're called. Never had it. It's uh, yeah, it's maybe a year color. or two ago, it was our voted best gin nice in the to world. Bring that one. Um, yeah, just had him. Had him got a bottle in his cupboard. Maybe Nolly. he can bring one of those instead of his eight dollar ninety nine wines next time. Told you I brought that wine for a reason. It's, 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 I can bring it next time. <laughs> Good gin. Anyway, let's uh, let's get rolling. Why do you? Well, why do we get in our own way? Uh, this is when about two weeks ago, or a week ago, when we were thinking about. Um, a topic for today. Um, I said to Conrad, I said, shit, I don't know what to, what to talk about. He goes, well, talk, let's talk about the question that you're asking yourself the most. So that's what we're doing. Um, but you already had a topic. What's that? You already had one. I don't know what happened. Yeah, that, that can go another time. That's that easy. just never happened. And then all of a sudden you were late and you put out this topic. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> anyway, why do we get down our own way? I think uh, what really sort of one out of today is to um, sort of one, give some practical tips, but two, to workshop a little bit of my shit. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite happy to be on the chopping board here a little bit. and um, A little bit or a lot? A lot. Just um, more happy to, to get amongst it. So feel free to, um, yeah, say what you feel and what you think. Anyway, why do we get in our own way? Why I object. <laughs> um, as a small business owner... Uh, success and growth is dependent on you. For the business to grow, why is it that we get in our own way? Something that I've been grappling with in the last probably 12 months is that, you know, my businesses are growing or one's growing uh, exponentially and the other one's sort of staying the same. 
Um, but for me to really experience that growth uh, and get to the next level as a leader, I default back to my normal shit, right? So uh, I know that I crave control. Uh, that's something that I've figured out to this point. And I know that one of my biggest beliefs is that uh, I fear that I'm not good enough. So, yeah, I make decisions based on, you know, not being good enough. So I'd rather, uh, you know, keep digging the hole um, rather than get out and kind of wipe my hands and go, you know what, guys, yeah, I fucked up. All right. So uh, there are two little things that I've kind of really learned about myself just in probably the last two years. And, you know, this same issue keeps coming up in business. So I'm growing and I'm, you know, I, I sit down with myself and I, I put in all this structure of going, all right, well, I need to put in processes to relinquish control and empower others and invest in other people. And, in, and that's because that's the only way that I'm going to get to the next level and buy back that time that I ever so want. But yet, as soon as I do that, I set everyone up around me for failure. So I, I don't get, give them what they need or I don't set them up to enable themselves to succeed purely because subconsciously I want that control back. And I know that I keep doing this and I, and I, I, I don't understand why I keep doing it. What's and, an example? Uh, so say imputer, right? Uh, sales guy, Jackson. Um, I will... Empower him and give him a whole heap of um, information, uh, whole heap of responsibility, right? And then I won't truly give him all the pieces necessary to to succeed. You know, so I won't teach him or I won't give him the resources that he needs to to enable to do the job. And then I I accept I, I try I I try to accept that you know what it's not going to be done to my hundred percent level. It's going to be done, you know, at my 80%. I have to be okay with that. But as soon as it's, you know, a tick down, I run in there and take it all back. And I'll go, well, no, you're not doing this right. You know, this has to be done you know, correctly. And then uh, I find myself uh, getting more stressed and having more on my workload. So, you know, I'm working more hours now and I'm, I'm doing more and more and more. And yet I'm still enjoying the growth of what I'm doing and, and growing. and But yet it's becoming more and more unhealthy. And that's kind of what's starting to tick over, you know, really, uh, I guess, pr prompt this, I guess, like to, to enable myself to really think about this. Um, and I, excuse me. And yeah, so I take back this control and then I go through the same process. I go, well, this is too much for me and I'm, I'm taking on too much and I really need to give away um, tasks and delegate and get people involved and empower them and invest in them and, you know, do all the, you know, right things, quotations. Uh, so I do it and then I do it back again. So, like, I'm setting them up to fail, but I'm also setting myself up to fail. And yet I still don't understand, like, how... To set my like, why am I defaulting back to those beliefs at all times? Um, and I shared a, an article in um, the group about this, and it was on Psychology Today, and it was, it was quite interesting. Um, it was by Bob Rosen, um, and I won't bore you, but it's it's 
how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and as soon as I feel uncomfortable, um, that's when, you know, re- shit really goes, goes downhill because, you know, I'm uncomfortable about relinquishing control to people or I'm uncomfortable about giving, you know, a piece of this and making sure it's, you know, done properly. As soon as I feel uncomfortable and that's when, you know, that overriding belief and that overriding, um, you know, pattern comes back in and I kind of swoop in and I, you know, take it all and, you know, push you all back and that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, so Martin Luther King, there was a really good uh, quote in this and uh, I thought it was quite interesting. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. So I really kind of prided myself on for a long time, you know, putting myself in uncomfortable situations. I still do to a, to a certain extent. Uh, however, like I get uncomfortable in this situation and then, you know, default back every time. You know, but my problem's just getting bigger and bigger and it's taking me more and more to, you know, get through that. So I don't know if anyone has has been through the similar thing. I feel like most people should have in some situation, uh, not obviously if it applies to me, but in terms of, you know, growth, uh, because this is just a, a growth stepping stone for me, I firmly believe. Um, does anyone, does anyone have a similar situation or, you know, or, um, you know, something that they've experienced in, you know, breaking the cycle that they, that they default back into? Go back to why you got the pewter business in the first place. Fell in my lap. Yeah. But why, what interested you by taking on the challenge? Uh, I just, I just wanted a, uh, an experience, a business education, and an understanding of a different business that wasn't, you know, service based. So, quote unquote, what you said to me was that you wanted to become or become a businessman. You want you wanted to practice business techniques. Yeah. Because clearly, you didn't feel yeah. like you had a real business. Correct. Now, what you did have, you had a business that was a service versus a pewter business, which was a product based business. Yeah. Conversely, what have you ended up with? Uh, what did you say to me a couple of weeks ago that you're outsourcing most of your work? Yeah. So you've commoditized photography and video. Yeah. I've created a business. Which you always had. You yeah. just didn't give it the yes. kudos. But so, you also created exactly what you want yeah. in Peter. You got, you've, you've got what you wanted from it. Yeah. Yeah, you got the lesson because you've now inverted it. But, but I think the, the, the challenging thing that I'm seeing here at the moment is the control aspect, which is something I have experienced. Um, and when when we talk about um, empowering others, we're not actually doing that because when things go minimally wrong, we get uncomfortable. But what Trav's what 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 Trav needs to look at, should he want to entertain that space, is his ideologies around what he values from a worth perspective because true empowerment means giving up complete control. Have you got the right people around you? Are the system processes are right? You know, are you in the right business? Is, is there a demand? Um, because you might have all those ingredients but your product is not in demand. That doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make your people bad salespeople. 
it makes your product shit. Or not positioned correctly. Potentially. Now, case in point, and we can go numbers of global examples on this type of stuff, right? Um, but one that comes to mind straight away with me was, you know, these, these uh, the Coca-Cola versus Pepsi scenario with how Pep Coke positioned itself versus how Pepsi positioned itself and the growth that Coca-Cola experienced because of its positioning as a lifestyle choice, not a soft drink. Okay. Now, again, both the same thing. Okay. Does that make Pepsi's owners any any worse a product or any, any worse people? No, they were positioned differently. Yeah, but before we even get there, I mean, it, it's hard to even assess whether you're in your own way mm-hmm. if you don't even know if you're in your own way because yeah. you don't know what you want. Yeah. Um, and that, that for me is what, what came up as the biggest challenge there because how, how is any of it wrong? You, want, you wanted experiences. You, you, got you, you got them, you've used them, you're still getting them, and now you're, you're focused on looking at what the next step is, but you just jump in and out of it because you, you, you've achieved what you wanted. Um, for the benefit of, because I don't know, what is your next level because that's what's missing for me. Uh, my next level is is um in not future. yeah yeah so is to building a, a a business that isn't dependent on me um selling or day to day running so it's doing the business development and you know the higher end stuff so it's not taking the phone call of you know Marie in Queensland wanting a pewter soldier you know, sort of thing. So it's uh, it's that um, and then and making it profitable at that point as well because, you know, it's all well and well, good and putting staff in and, and getting that. I can do that now, but whether if that will be profitable or not, um, you know. But is that, I mean, uh, that's not what I thought you were doing next. Yeah. Well, I want to sell it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. Right. But ultimately, I want to sell it. So you need the systems and processes to allow people to be empowered to run it to, be, to allow them to achieve the results you need to achieve to fill the balance sheet to make it saleable. Yeah. So going back to the control part, because I know you and I are very similar in this part. Like, what have you? How have you done it? Because you're in the situation of not needing to touch base on every element of your business. Like, what have you? I done? told my team today. I no, I told my team yesterday. I'm giving myself twelve months to get out of that business. I just set I just set myself targets like of stupid things like that. So is it the underlying why and what you want, you know, the outcome that enables you to hang in that uncomfortableness to yeah. to to override that control? Well, to, for me to be able to sell or extract, it has to run as a business functionally. Okay. And so I view myself as an investor. I don't pay I don't pay myself a salary, right? So to, to maintain the investment it has to be ticking investment bo- investment grade boxes. Has to. Otherwise, the only way I get it in 12 months is putting on the market. Yeah. But you've got to give yourself the deadline to deliver on. And I've then and then it comes down to what are the two or three things I need to 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 have in place in the next 12 months to make that happen. I've got to look at my people, I've got to look at my systems, I've got to look at my processes, I've got to look at how I position the marketplace. Yeah, see, I can't move in my deadline. Yeah. I my my deadline's been 50 since I was 16, bro. Yeah, yeah. How old are you now? 48. 48. So, and I'm saying next year because I've got to create the tightness. I can't leave it till 50 because it'll become 51. Yeah. 
yeah, I guess it comes down ultimately what you want. Because that drives your action. Yeah. If you keep moving the goalpost, then you're setting yourself up to fail and then you hate failing, but you're allowing yourself to do it. Yeah. It's all we talk about. I just, uh, it's right there in my head. It's right there in front of me, yet I'm not using the tools. Also, I mean, what, like, why do you want to sell it? Uh, personally, I've always had the interest of going into a business that's struggling, understanding it, fixing it, flipping it, moving on to the next thing. Back, back to value and worth. Why? <laughs> exactly. No, that's no. where it's at. And yeah. that's what's no. causing you the problem. Exactly. Also, at, why do you, no, why, at the moment, why do you want to sell it? Yeah. I'm asking again. <laughs> personally, because I want time back. Yeah. There you I, go. I want time back. First one was bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a, yeah. it's a negative vision to even start off because yeah. you're trying to get away from the fucking thing. Yeah. At the moment, that's yeah. your that's your current. Yeah, thing. because you can sell it now. Yeah. You may not get what you want for it, but you can sell it. Then it doesn't fulfill my worth. That, yeah. Because I'm not getting what so I want. Time, so time's not his issue, mate. Because yeah. no. he can sell it now. It's not time. It's 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 a worth. No, but it's what he's. No, it, it's it's it is absolute worth because when you when you can't let go of things and he creates sets people up to fail to make himself feel important. Uh, absolutely, and I, I, I fucking hundred percent know because I've fucking done it. It's hundred percent to you, right? And it and I, absolutely I look, shits so me. So it's worth. It. It's fucking worth. It's not anything else. It's not time. You're bullshitting yourself. Yeah. You've just got to understand that you are you are clearly um, competent because what you've done is that you've leveraged your knowledge. Back into your business. Somewhere where we started with your photography business, and I told you to be scalable, you've got to turn this into a fucking product. And you laughed at me the other day and you said, Yeah, guess what I've done? And so you've done yeah. it and you've leveraged it by obviously using the, the the systems and processes that you're going through and building with relation to Pewter. And you're consciously, or whether you're consciously aware of it, you've, you've put it back into the other business. And that's probably something I've just literally learned right now is that. The amount of stuff that I've learned from Pewter, I've put straight in photography yeah. because, like, look, literally, as you talk, looking at what I've done with photography, like, it's all the same stuff that I did. No shit, in that's, that's business, bro. You just refused to accept yeah. that you were in the business of photography. Yeah, you were like what JB was and and MD were. You know, you were creatives in business. No, yeah. you're in the business of being creative. You love that quote. You wanted the time, right? You've given yourself yeah. the time in photography. Yeah, like, ironically, if you look at that. Depending on how you wanted to work out what valuation you've got, you're not going to get cash, but technically, what he's done to his business, or you've added a valuation to your, your photography business, not the pewter business. Yeah, because like something for me that is strong is the is the needing to be accepted by my peers to to have a seat at the big boys' table. Yeah, it's. It's always been there. For, I'm the youngest of three boys, and all I wanted to do was be like my brothers. You know, so. yeah, but, but tell me, what does that fucking mean? Well, exactly. So it's worth. It just all comes down to to worth. Well, it's what you perceive, isn't it? You know, but really, it means fuck all. Episode done. Yeah, no, I think that's done. So you're going to sell the business now for whatever the fuck. So it's worth what the market will pay, mate. Yeah, put well, it out there and it. get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> In 90 days, it's probably gone. Yeah. Then you can float around and spend all your time with your family because you've leveraged it to fix the photography business and now you don't have to do anything. But so, you know, that's, the, that's actually the beautiful thing that like I've never actually 
attributed that to that, like that my growth from photography has come from, you know, to put it in perspective, photography this year from last year, I've had 38% of growth. And then the year before that, probably 28 to 30. Imagine if you worked on it full time. Here's something for you. Here's something for you because I think there's there's also an element of loyalty to your staff members that you got there, right? Which I think more importantly, the 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 main dude, what's his name? Daryl. Daryl. Here's something for you. Try and orchestrate a deal where he can buy it. Yep. Now, that might mean there's an element of um, vendor finance in play. might mean that you're still giving him some 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 support over the top from whatever, because no, it's not going to mean anything to anybody else more than him. Yeah. If you can make that happen, I reckon it's a it's a massive win. It's all tied to worth, isn't it? But what you've just done is you, you you've enabled you've enabled a person that has like I said, no one could love that more than what he does. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's got to want to do it. I mean, that's an ideal thought. Well, he's got to want yeah. to do it. Yeah. All right. So going into a practical sense then, like why why do we always get in our own way and what can we do to, to you know, just go through that There's nothing that wrong process. with going in your way. I mean, it's, you've, you've had an awakening and an awareness moment and you've given yourself a choice. Yeah. There's getting in your way... Happens, happens all the time. I wrote something about it back in two thousand ten. I called, I called it playing chicken with yourself. Um, and it's and it's it's a very powerful place to actually understand that you do get in your way. Um, the question becomes, why are you in your way, and what are you seeing? What are you what are you not learning from the situation? Because the Jacksons of the world are teaching you something. Yeah, the Daryls of the world are teaching you something. Um, your clients are teaching you something. The question, the question you got to answer is what, why, and what? Because if you don't learn that lesson, then it's going to come around even bigger. It always does. It, it, it'll get bigger now. anyway, right? Yeah. Because let's say you learn the lesson at this level. I mean, I've always said it. You learn it here, like in primary school. You, it'll be the same lesson in high school. The same lesson when you start working. The same lesson when you. It's the same lesson with a different level of value attached to it. And you've got to welcome the lesson. You know, you got to receive this shit with gratitude. I think. You know, I think we were talking in our chat group the other day with what Martin is creating for himself. You know, things happen for you, not to you. But to allow that to hold truth, you've got to receive lessons with gratitude, overlay humility, and allow the learning to start to happen. Otherwise, it's if you don't use gratitude and humility, it's just going to happen to you. Yeah, that's, you know. So what it's given you um, financially, you know, what it's cost you versus what it's given you, I mean, I'd be interested for you to do that math because if you apply the learning on a linear timeline over extrapolated over a period of time, mate, it's it's a great tool. It's, it's been, And it's been a great business. Now, in isolation, probably not so much. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of thing, very much so. And it's having that gratitude of that rather than associating your worth to it in isolation, yep. which I'm currently doing. 
So then, then that puts a negative. Ah, the integration of the light and the dark. Yeah, so that puts a negative focus on it, hence why the goalpost keeps moving. And so the valuation or the price you want for this thing, where'd that number come from? And why is that number the number that egoically you're like, hey, that's I'm fine with that, I'm not fine with less? Well, that's obviously what I'd impinge my worth on for that exact reason of what I think I've put into it, what I think I should be getting out of it. Oh, that's not egoically. That's just factual data, right? Well, I mean, and, well, you, you very rarely ever, even even with like, anyone's it's business. It's obviously not tied exactly to, like, a multiple. It's a number that he wants. He's made the number up. Oh, I mean, it's, it's all multiples. Is it a multiple that you want? It's not. <laughs> ah, I've just made it up. He's made it up. Straight away. Straight up. I, I set myself, a t- that's my, my target, yeah. I guess. that's Yeah, that's the target I set for it. Well, okay. I, I, the reason why I say it's a multiple because everything on evaluation methodology sure, comes off net profit, he right? He didn't take it from there. He took it from a, so, a number that he plucked. So it, whatever the number is, it's going to be a multiple of what net profit is. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. But he didn't base it off a multiple. He based it off just a number he plucked from somewhere. I, I base it which off. Which is why he's challenged against it because yeah. it's not, oh, it's three times what it, it does. It's I want this number. So he's not actually looking for market value. He's looking for his number. Yeah, yeah, I um, 100% agree with that. Yeah, it, it's, it's a number that was based off my worth rather than market value. Good luck. <laughs> well, that's, why, that's why he's not even on the market, I that's guess. That's why I haven't tried, no. Yeah, because you, you know it's not worth it. Yeah. yeah but, he's, he, but again, he's looking at an isolation. When you reverse engineer it and you look at it with, in, in, in context of what it's created... I'm not saying the value's not there, that he hasn't created no, the value. No, the value is there for Travis. It may yeah. not be there for someone that wants that's to pay what, it. That's what I mean. But yeah. he's tied himself to a number that doesn't actually reflect a multiple, which means it, it doesn't reflect what it's, it's worth. The process of buying it's, and selling. selling my old VK Commodore um, 1985 for 25 grand because that's what I think it's worth. But, yeah, it's it's like saying I want that but not truly wanting it, you know, or emotionally connecting to it. And then you'll never truly get it because it's not what you're focusing on. Well, the arbitrage with everything is always you know, what it sells for is what someone else is willing to pay for it, yeah. regardless of what you want to make out of it. If you get what you want to make out of it, no problems. All right, then how do you... Growth comes from discomfort. So how do we stay in discomfort? How do, we... how do you guys stay in... How do you, how do you stay uncomfortable? Yeah, what's Big goals, deadlines, goals, deadlines. Marco, how do you stay uncomfortable? Um, I I live I like I think I appreciated this the other week. I live in imposter syndrome, and so therefore I think I live uh, in discomfort. So for me, it's just living. Sorry, living. Well, for me, for me, I've just I'm going through a phase of every single job that I take on and charge money for. I'm like, not sure. Well, I'm not sure I can do it to the level that I want to do it, um, and I'm not convinced that, like, I'm, I'm convinced that I'm charging them too much money, and that I won't get a satisfied customer at the end of it. Is that being uncomfortable, or is that just being in your own way? Um. You know, is that is that exact same example of me with control, but you just with 
with being an imposter. It's your hiding spot, Marco. Yeah. So being uh, incapable. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. Because we all know you're fucking not. I mean, that's yeah. but your opinion of it's yourself is, is more is is, 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 is highly <laughs> more important than what anyone that. else will say, right? But and, I agree. And, so, and, so and, and, not and I, over. You're like, oh, like he says, you're more capable. You're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I know, you know, of what I know of you, in straight away to me, it's like knowing knowing you, it's where you're hiding, and you're okay to hide there. Okay, so then the question is, why? How do I? Well, your your uncomfortable would be accepting yeah. exactly what you're doing and being happy or yeah. tripling know. the price. Yeah, Here, here's here's so a meta that, moment for you. I'm uncomfortable because I'm being asked for advice on this that I don't feel I'm qualified to give. <laughs> but you are within within your sphere of experience. You've got an opinion of some sort. Whether it has any worth to Travis or not is largely irrelevant. Sure. Okay. Well, take on bigger. How do I stay uncomfortable is by continuing to say yes to things that um, scare, scare me. Yeah. Yep. But so, but I but I'd agree. I still live in still live in the comfort of pretending I'm incapable, because if I think about the stuff that I could do if I wasn't afraid, then it'd be it'd be like yeah. It's just it's weird. I'll go through phases where. Um, I'll just yeah, I'll just go and do things, and change and make big change. Like, yeah, and great shit happens. Yeah, most of the time, from what I know, I yeah. mean, fuck, you got to break a few eggs every now and then when you go after good big things. But yeah, um, I think how do I how do I get uncomfortable is by not not giving. Um, if I look at things, so here's the example that I've got in my head that I'm using to draw wisdom on. The other day I checked back into the British Basketball League social media channels and I see that the top team is doing the exact behind-the-scenes style content that I started all the way back at Hawks a few years ago. So there are two leagues that have been impacted by that. There's the British Basketball League and there's the Australian National Basketball League, both both and, both yeah. empowered by me, right? Yeah. Oh, um, SBL, no. NBL. <laughs> SBL, NBL, and, and the British Basketball Now it'll be netball. Well, the boomer stuff. I mean, matter at a you and you pretty much leveraged him into that space too. I mean, yeah. he wasn't there before you got there. No, exactly. So, like, he is much more gifted in terms of technical and – Oh, he's um, connected too. And right? he's connected, no. but he also understands the game. <laughs> yeah. But I placed him in – I placed him in the, the Royals that gave him the opportunity to really cut his teeth in that. And I, like, I, sh- I think I, like – I, the only other thing, so I'm drawing on this example no, no, because I'd never, I remember rocking up the first, the first Hawks TV. I knew nothing about basketball. I knew nothing about the camera. I knew nothing about nothing. I didn't consider all of that. I just knew the vision and I, and I disregarded all of what could potentially be embarrassing. And it was really uncomfortable. Like no lie. I took a couple of shots before going and shooting that game. Like alcoholic <laughs> shots, because I because I was nervous. Like I needed a I needed to calm the nerves. Like, um, but I didn't. Like I was I was. I, but I was like intensely embarrassed the whole time. But I didn't. Sorry, drink alcohol, and that's how you. Fuck, mate! I wouldn't. Yeah. Know. I think I've done it a few times for yeah, big times. things. So so it's so it's almost like do the opposite well, of what your default is. Well, again, I mean, I'll come back to. 
and I know I know you don't generally like the opposite, right? I mean, but what I've and I and I'm actually I err. I'm with you. I'm with you. I err with you in why you don't have a real comfort with it. It's been a very low level space for me to create or engineer movement and outcome. Okay, and it served me really, really well. I know in in watching these episodes of of this rewind thing, um, Joe Dispenza refers to using the opposite as a leveraging point for low level unsustainable success. Yep. And right. I, that's where I agree with it. And you said you, you, you gave me that clarity. So what we, Conrad and I were talking about um, was you can just do the opposite to achieve what you want. Because if you get in your own way, then doing the opposite of what you want to do, you're going to get it. But if you then hold the belief of you can't create, you can't create when you're reacting. And if you do the opposite of what your normal thing is, you're just reacting to something. You're not creating towards something. So really that's not creating, it's just reacting again. Okay. But your question is how do you get uncomfortable? Do the opposite of what you normally do. Yeah, that's going to that get is, you uncomfortable straight away. That is going to get you uncomfortable. Yeah. If you want to learn it, just do the opposite. Yeah. If you if you normally say no, say yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's if you a, normally say yes, It's a real simple technique. Yeah, because and, then, if you, and if you normally do, take power, don't take power. Yeah. If you, no, if you normally take shots, take shots. <laughs> don't take, don't take, don't don't take, take shots. shots. Yeah, if you normally take control, don't take control. There you go. It's hard, man. Like, it, it I, I, hard. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm no word of a lie. I mean, this week has been absolutely disgraceful for the amount of lack of control I've had to give up, and then I'm finding myself blowing up around the place. It's, oh, we, it, we, we noticed the blow up. It's, but it's, it's what, it's the process I will like have to go through. Inspired shop. It's a process I will have to go through, yeah. um, and then overlay the tools I now know and have. To then give myself that moment of pause, reflect, respond, yeah, um, better than reacting. I like that. Pause and reflect is a great tool, isn't it? And then with the uncomfortable, with the with the periods of discomfort, you said it before. Be grateful for the moves you make in that period of discomfort, because you won't get as far as you want to get. Yeah, you won't get there, like because you're doing the opposite of your nature. So you will fall short, unless like, I don't know. One every now and then, maybe, but I like lately I go into things and I'm and I am trying to change certain behaviors or aspects of the way that like I'm thinking about the way I shoot, and I'll come away still disappointed, but then I'll I'm like I talk to myself in the car, like I'm literally out loud talking to myself saying, Yeah, but you did that, and you have to give yourself credit for that. So the gratitude bit has to come in. Moff. Yeah, the one. Hey, there he is. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be quite. <laughs> Please uh, like comments of <laughs> straight down the line here. I guess your your default uh, in my eyes is that you don't take action. So how do you? Yeah, that's your observation. You know, yeah, sorry, my Stop observation. Stop telling him who he is. <laughs> yeah, sorry, my observation. <laughs> you know what I meant. Um, it was yeah. Uh, of don't take action. So I feel that's your default you're comfortable how have you been getting uncomfortable or you know not defaulting not getting in your own way yeah well first of all i can 100 percent relate to the control issue and a big part of kind of i like getting in your own way i often refer to it as like treading on your own dick um 
Have you got tiny legs or something? <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I wish I could because that would be very unserviceable. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a um, turn into a cobra. <laughs> I think I picked up from being in the army as well. Um, <laughs> cobra dick. But, <laughs> but part of that for me is, and I, I think part of it comes down to being. Um, the, the achiever the number three on the Enneagram is wanting, maintaining the control, wanting to have that success myself and therefore not truly empowering other people to, to have all the tools they need to succeed because perhaps that'll take attention away from me. Perhaps if they do succeed, it won't all be about me. Um, I know for me, that's one that on reflection kind of shows up a little bit is, or a lot is doing too much, taking on too much control, trying to do everything and therefore not and doing a, an average job of everything because I'm not so much afraid of what they'll do, um, that they, they won't do it as well as I will. But I think a big part of it is just being afraid of what if they do a good job of it and they get the praise, they get the, that, that attention gets drawn away from me that, um, as far as how that relates to action, and I'll talk about it later in my episode around responsibility, but I think... But it's relevant here because you've been oh. going through your rebuild, right? Your business, yeah. like from an, from an outsider's perspective, sounded like it was on the brink. Yeah. What are, you, what are you doing? Like that's uncomfortable. What are you doing to deal with that? Yeah, there are some things that I've certainly improved on and taken more. Like responsibility is one piece. I think for me... Action and responsibility are two, my two biggest dysfunctions that play out. Responsibility is one that I've very much tackled recently and it's just that ownership of everything comes back to me and I'm ultimately responsible for everything that happens. However, Travis, you've definitely picked up that action and is the next big thing that I'm working on um, around just knowing I know what I need to do and I often don't do it um, partially because I'm not good at delegating, giving responsibility to other people. So a lot of the, the low level actions I take are not important, urgent things. Uh, yesterday, for example, I spent an entire day cleaning the gym. It's something that I should outsource to other people. However, it's something that I haven't taken action on and therefore have to do what I should have done yesterday is the marketing and the sales and the uh, content development, all the things I know I should be doing. But now I'm like, oh, I'll do that on Monday because I need to clean the gym today. Um, so there are so many things that, but behind that is the fact that. Hey, I, hang on, Moff. Yeah. So explain to me why you're choosing to, to clean the gym. Now, because I clean my office still, right? Well, my mum does most of it, but I, yep. I, I... So why are you choosing to clean the gym? The The initial thought is that because I want it to be presentable and I, I care no, about... No, what's the truth? I mean, forget what the initial thought is. Of course, is. yeah. On further reflection, it's just a, a fear of doing the things I need to do. Um, I know that... Doing consistent marketing will get us new members. Will get us the get us out of this hole. So how how often are you clean the gym? Um, 
not 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 often enough. This is just a, a thing that the last few days. Um, but before that, it was laying the tiles. Before that, it was building and getting on the tools. I spent most of the the COVID shutdown kind of on a grinder, putting up boards, just doing a, a whole lot of things that probably weren't the best use of my time. But it's just the same reason people clean their room when they should be doing their study or whatever. It's just procrastination disguised as productivity. Um, but but is this an... It, so before this conversation, is that choice to clean versus market, is it a conscious choice? Not... It has to be because you're aware of it. Yeah. Well, I'm just asking. I'm not sure whether he was aware of it. Otherwise, it might have been just about reflection. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in that moment, when you're choosing the recent the recent moment, you're choosing to clean your gym, are you consciously aware that you're, you should be marketing? I was. I, I knew yesterday that I'll clean the gym today, I'll do the marketing on Monday. That was the decision I made. So, But we're talking about like the urgent versus important, right? And I think – if I'm reading, if I'm reading it right, you're saying it should have been delegated or dealt with before, but it became an urgent problem, which was urgent enough to take away from your important problem. Yeah, the biggest thing that plays out for me is that urgent, not important tasks like cleaning, for example, overtake not urgent, important tasks like sales and marketing. I I, I clean my office because I enjoy hanging out with mum, man. You understand why you do that, though. But Jacob's just using it as a tool to get away from. But then, he, but he knows why he's doing it. Mm. Wait, does he? Well, you said it. What was your reason again? Because I'm looking at the question: Why do we get in our own way? And it sounds like you're getting in your own way. But you know why you're getting in your own way? Yeah, I, I would initially tell you and try and hide behind the fact that because there's other shit that needs doing, but. They're, they're easy things to delegate if I take responsibility for it. I think the reason I don't do it is just because I don't – because I think fear of success is a big one that plays out for me is that if I do the marketing, if we get X number of members, if we're no longer struggling. Like I, I have a, I've always had that underdog mentality. I, I like – I've – Thrived, but well, explain that to me because I've always found. Um, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. I, I know, like, I feel like the fear of success. I feel like that's that's for me personally the label that other people can give other people. Right? It's not a it's not a thing that you can say. Oh, I'm scared of success. Like, are you scared of success? That's a genuine question because I don't get that fear. I think you can. You're 100 percent right, Marco. You can't label yourself like that. Yeah, it's just a cop out. Yeah, it's so you're labeling, in my opinion, you're labeling that because you don't want to admit what the truth may really be. Perhaps it's fear of failure. It depends how you want to label it, but no, I just don't think you want to be successful. I don't think there's any fear involved with it. Because that 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 actually needs you to be responsible. Or successful with the gym, maybe like. Yeah. There may be other things that you want to be successful in. I think there's a, there's a yeah. point for you where you, you've got to sit there and, well, you don't have to, bro. Sorry, I, I shouldn't say that. You may want to sit there and consider why you still have the gym. 
because I think there's an, there's an element of background dissent that, that is clearly playing out if you're consciously choosing to do one thing and not build a gym. I think you, yeah. you're, you're, you're a kaplunk straw away from another monumental fuck-up, in my opinion, if that's what you're consciously choosing to do. Yeah, I, I'm at the moment trying to get to the bottom of why that plays out for me is just that why I don't do the important things I need to do. Um, and it's been my, I guess, dysfunction as long as I can remember with. But you're aware of this stuff now, bro. So, I mean, to say it's been in my dysfunction, you're choosing to stay in your dysfunction. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm struggling with this because if you're aware that you're walking to a fucking door, you're going to keep walking to the door? No. But you are. Yeah. I think... You, you're, you're, you, in my opinion, you are hamstrung by the responsibility of what that gym gives you. And you don't like that, so you hide from it. You like the ideology of having a gym. You like the status of jumping on there and, and doing what it does. And I guarantee what your gym does is give people a lot of opportunity. Okay? But it throws responsibility back your way. And, and it's not fear of success. You just don't want to be responsible for it. You know, whoever's invested the money in it, whoever's working there, whatever you owe back whoever, you don't want it. That's what you don't want to do because doing the work to market is to pay back those people. Yeah. That's what's obvious to me. Because I consciously choose to work with my mum, to hang out with my mum. I don't give a fuck what anyone tells me about why I clean my office because everyone tells me I should just pay someone. Yep. All right, but it stops me drinking on a Friday night. It gets me up early on a Saturday and I get to hang out with my mum. What's the link between cleaning your office and hanging out with your mum? She cleans my office, so I go and help her. Okay, that makes sense. He will read the financial review. Well, the reality is she does most of it. You don't clean. <laughs> don't be serious. Let's, let's just put this down that uh, you're there when the cleaning's done. Fine. So. Whatever. All right. Let's, um, let's, I think, wrap this up at the moment. Sorry to, uh, to workshop you, Marco, and you off. Um, we'll pick this up on my episode. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't envision um, us going uh, yeah, hot seating both you two. But, uh, no, thank you for tuning in. I uh, hope you got some value out of it. I certainly did. Um, you know, I, was, I chose to be vulnerable on this episode to hopefully if you get something out, that's great. Um, yeah, so thank you for tuning in. We'll see you like, next, share, comment. next Friday. Like, share, comment. Buy a, t- buy a pewter soldier. He's <laughs> <laughs> to get his valuation up. <laughs> if you can buy, buy a few. Buy a thousand pewter soldiers. <laughs> All right, bye for now. See you later. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Simple Minds podcast. If you like our show and want to know more, then check out our website at simplemindspodcast.com. If you like, you can even leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. The Simple Minds podcast is also on Facebook, Insta, and for those that like to keep things formal, LinkedIn. So follow us there if you want to keep up with the latest updates from the show. See you next week.